This morning's scripture is out of uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13. It's actually 13a, and I'm actually going to read the message version. And now, friends, we ask you to honor those leaders who work so hard for you, who have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience. Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. You may be seated. Well, good morning. It's really great to be here this morning with you for reasons I'm not going to go fully into, uh, but it's really great. Just trust me. It's really great to be standing here with you this morning. My name is Greg. You may not know me, uh, and I'm not one of the pastors on staff here at the church, but I am a husband and a father and a longtime Hope City Church member. I used to have a day job. I claim to be retired, <laughs> but some of my friends and family question that, as you can tell by the laughter. I found lots of really fun things to do, so it's keeping me pretty busy. I knew I'd have trouble turning these pages. Okay. It's Thanksgiving weekend, so it's a traditional Sunday for the pastor to get a day off. That's part of why I'm here. And I'm glad it's Thanksgiving weekend because I'm thankful. So I want to tell you a story today about gratitude and grace. To start, I'd like to share a little bit of my personal story. It was 16 years ago this weekend that my wife Kim and I walked through the front doors of River City Worship Center, which is now Hope City Church. Of course, it was over on 3rd Street Road. We didn't know anybody there. No one had invited us to come and visit. We walked in cold off the street. I'm a lifelong church volunteer. Like many of you, I grew up in a different denomination. Mine was the United Methodist Church. My childhood church was Jones Memorial, which was in the Highland Park neighborhood, the same neighborhood that this church was birthed out of as Highland Park Church of God way back when. Jones Memorial was the church my dad grew up in. His family was deeply embedded in the Highland Park neighborhood and he attended and served in that church for most of his life. My parents were the proverbial pillars of the church. They were deeply embedded with their church family, and they served. In watching them, I assumed being a Christian meant serving the church. It meant doing the work to lead and support the church. My parents loyally did everything from leading councils, teaching Sunday school, playing the organ, counting the offering, paying the bills, and directing the choir. That's what I was raised to be and believe. It's what I witnessed being around these amazing people and their very close friends. And it's what I learned being a Christian looked like. When I became an adult, I married Kim in that church. She grew up Catholic, like many of you. And then together, we threw ourselves into working for the church. We spent the next 20 years with that church family and started our own family. The United Methodist Church moves its pastors around, so we served under five different pastors over those 20 years. These were amazing men and women of God, and together we went through a lot. Two of those pastors had to walk us through the destruction of our church building and a church merger because the city raised the Highland Park neighborhood for the airport expansion project. If you know Southside Drive, the church across the street from Kinbowl, 
That's Epiphany United Methodist Church. That's our merged church. One of the first pastors of that church is here with us today. Reverend Nancy Smith is in the back corner. Hi, Nancy. I just love Nancy, and she loves us. Like my parents, Kim and I served in many roles, admin, finance, councils, worship, kids' ministry, all with that same mindset of working hard and making things happen. When your church changes pastors every four to five years, you recognize the importance of supporting them, trying to help them get things done. That was our calling. But we were striving to make things happen, and the work was so hard. At time, as time was moving along, our kids were getting older, and unfortunately, the church was getting smaller, and we didn't see a place for our kids there in the future. We were heading into a significant phase of our family's life with our kids going through middle school and high school. It's a major journey that lied ahead of us, and we felt like we needed to be in a church where there would be others going through that same season of life with us. So, after much consideration, Kim and I came to the painful decision to leave that church I had grown up in, the only church we had known together, and the church where my parents and Kim's mom loyally attended and supported and yes, we planned to take our parents' grandchildren with us. That was tough. We didn't want to go far. We love South Louisville, and we love the idea of being part of a neighborhood church. So we looked around at a few churches in the area and asked around among a few of our friends for suggestions. Thanks to David Kennedy, one of those churches was River City Worship Center. It had a snazzy website, and it felt very familiar to us based on our experiences with some of the modern church models like Southeast Christian or Andy Stanley's North Point Church, but on a much smaller scale. I vividly remember our first Sunday. We literally drove back and forth out on Third Street Road a couple of times, looking to see what kind of activity there was in the parking lot. We were trying to summon the nerve to make that turn into the driveway, and eventually we did. We made it into the auditorium, I remember it was kind of dark, which was good, because I was trying to hide. I remember the first person that spoke to us, Kevin Zachary. <laughs> he was a greeter that day. I remember we ran into a neighbor that we didn't know attended there, Melissa Fosberg. I remember the lead pastor at the time intentionally came down the row of chairs where we were sitting right before the service began to say hello to us. I guess we stood out. <laughs> I remember the music was really loud and upbeat, and the special music leading into the sermon that day was a meatloaf song. I'll do anything for you, but I can't do that. <laughs> I remember it feeling like the people were happy to be there and there was energy in the room. And I remember this young associate pastor spoke that day. It was the Sunday after Thanksgiving. He was quite young, and his name was Jason Isaacs. a dramatic pause. <laughs> he told a powerful story that day about his grandparents and their life of serving in the church and following Jesus. We left there somewhat in shock. I think our only words once we got in the car were just, wow, we loved it. And there were no traffic lights between our house and that church. 
What a win. We still visited a few other churches after that, but we knew from that first moment in the building, we were home. Once we started officially attending early the next year, after taking just a little break, just like before, we dove right in to serving, supporting, and working. It's what we knew Christians were supposed to do. We worked in admin, finance, kids' ministry. We led groups. We serve as elders. We're on the care team. I serve in hospitality. You name it, we are in. Once again, we felt led to come alongside these pastors who were creating a vibrant community of faith and serve. We've been so blessed to be on a journey alongside Jason and Andrea. It's year 16 and counting. We've had a closer seat to them along the way than most. And we thought we have so much to contribute to a place like this because we had learned how to do the hard work of church ministry. But we had no idea the things we would learn from them, which is the real meaning of being a Christian that we are so grateful for. As I stand here on Thanksgiving weekend, I am thankful. I'm thankful for my church. I love my church. And I'm thankful for my pastor. I love my pastor. It had the sniffles before I got here today, so it's not just that. <laughs> Hold on. I came prepared. Hold on. I don't know if I can do that and turn pages. Okay. Over the past 15 years, we've seen this church continue to grow and mature. I want to share with you some of the things that we have witnessed and are so grateful for. I hope that you are also grateful for them, as well as some of the things about your pastor that you may not even know. Over these past 15 years, through them all, there is a pattern, there is a theme, and that theme is Pastor Jason genuinely seeking guidance from the Holy Spirit, of God placing burdens on him to teach us, and of him leading his church through these 10 important lessons. Ready? Here's my top 10. Number one, generosity. As soon as Jason became a lead pastor for the church, as he reviewed how the church's budget was structured, he noticed that most of the money was used internally. We were spending it on ourselves. Not a lot went out to the community or beyond. Thus began the generosity language that you still hear him teach today, that you even heard a few weeks ago for our Open Hands campaign kickoff. If you have learned to trust God with your finances along your faith journey, or restructured your finances in an FPU class, or taken a sacrificial step of faith because of Pastor Jason's teaching, this is how it started. Number two, missions and outreach. Out of generosity came the Imagine campaign with the tagline and the t-shirt merch that said, imagine a church that isn't selfish. For many years, usually in February, Jason would rally the church to give above and beyond their tithe to support missions and outreach. And all of that money would go to ministries and events outside the church. I should have added it up because I love numbers. So since that time began, I think it was 2009, it's reached a million dollars. <laughs> Then Pastor Jason led the first mission team the church took to Argentina, which has been followed by several trips to Guatemala, trips that still take place today, and many of you have experienced them. Or you may have participated in his favorite flagship event, Bless Back, or its new iteration, Go Teach Go, supporting our families, schools, and teaching communities, something that is close to his and Andrea's hearts. Number three, teaching. Pastor Jason would probably wince at this because you can find someone in this church who vividly remembers a sermon from as far back as 15 years ago that impacted their faith, that they felt was spoken directly to them, and that continues to speak to them today. 
His love for instilling learning and reading, especially the Bible, has created a culture here of lifelong learners and Bible lovers. His burden to share his own journey has resulted in writing several books that reach outside of these walls. And lucky for us, Andrea shares this love of teaching and learning, so we are doubly blessed with powerful teaching, and the culture Pastor Jason has developed has grown a staff and team of teaching pastors. Number four, authentic and exceptional worship. One of the first things you will notice about Hope City is the amazing worship experience here on Sunday mornings. From the beginning, Pastor Jason has had a vision for creating a space where worshipers can find Jesus and experience the power of the Holy Spirit. With high excellence, talented musicians, and worship leaders who prayerfully and humbly invite us in. Number five, prayer and fasting. Pastor Jason is teaching us now how he wants us to be a church that prays with power. And over the past 15 years, he has been building our prayer lives to get us as a whole to that place. It's a place where people comfortably, naturally, and instinctively base their faith on a foundation of prayer and fasting. Number six, children and youth. Youth pastoring is where Pastor Jason's ministry at this church actually began. The burden he has for families raising their kids in faith has always weighed heavily on his heart, and he has prioritized in many different ways these ministries, with everything from providing training and leadership opportunities for youth leading up to today, when one of the first things he checked in this building was the width of the kids' hallway space. Remember, it's wider than my arms can touch. <laughs> We've heard that many times. As well as the future plans we have for more usable space in this building, and then hiring Pastor Alex as the church's first full-time children's pastor. Number seven, addiction and recovery. The more stories Jason heard about people who were finding or rediscovering their faith at this church, the more aware he became of how bro much brokenness in our world was the result of addiction. Although he did not have a life experience of physical addition, addiction, he felt a burden to create a place for people to share the struggles of healing from it. After many years of prayers, building structure, and developing leaders like Jesse Stuck, Celebrate Recovery was the result, and so many of you have found freedom from life's hurts, hang-ups, and habits. Number eight, small groups. Our group's ministry has had so many different versions and formats over the years. That's because Pastor Jason would not give up on trying models until he found one that worked. It was so important to him that our church develop small circles of doing life together and create a culture where the real growing happens during the week with your people. Number nine, COVID. Da, da, da. 2020 brought the world to its knees, but especially people who are in the business of caring for others. No one knows that more than a pastor. Pastor Jason watched as his people struggled to lean into their faith to cope. He felt a tremendous burden and responsibility because COVID shined a light on faith that could not withstand severe circumstances, and people were falling fast. He led his staff and church through a cultural breakdown that we are still recovering from today and began preaching boldly and courageously on what is true. The Galatians series he led us through in the spring of 2021 was a milestone in this journey. It opened so many people's eyes and hearts to examine and test their faith. Sharing his own experiences of trials and tested faith, he wrote a book and led the church through a series of sermons on growing deep faith and emotional health called Deep Change. He recognized that people with addictions aren't the only broken people in the room, and this became the recovery program for everyone. 
No one is excluded from brokenness or needing healing. And number 10, Jesus. Underlying all of this is the foundation of burden that Pastor Jason carries, and that is to do whatever it takes to help people have a real encounter with Jesus, one that transforms them into a new person. It's not what he does or what the staff does or what we do or what we bring to the table. It's about what Jesus has done for us and that gift of grace. So I said I was going to tell you a story about gratitude and grace. That was the gratitude. Here comes the grace. I spent quite a bit of time thinking about the things my pastor has taught me personally in the past 15 plus years. And I don't have time today to share all of them with you, but I came up with a few. I mentioned his vision for generosity. He has taught me personally that generosity isn't so much about giving as it is about surrendering and trusting. From him, I have learned what it means to give God's way rather than to give my way. I mentioned his love of teaching and reading. He has taught me personally to love reading the Bible. Since I've known him, I've read it cover to cover several times. I'm currently on my seventh time through it. I use the YouVersion reading plans, and a few times I've read the whole thing using my favorite plan, read the Bible in 90 days. Yes, it can be done. (laughs) A couple of times I've used the chronological reading plan. I love seeing the context of it all by reading it quickly, cover to cover. He has taught me to appreciate liturgy. He took a three-month sabbatical from his pastoral position in the summer of 2021. It was a great time of reflection and renewal for him. So when he got back that to us in that August, in that year, Jason was refreshed and ready to go a bit old school, and he introduced the word liturgy to us. It's a churchy word. <laughs> and having grown up Methodist, with my many years of experiencing repetitive words read aloud on each Sunday, with little or no emotion or thought put into them, at least by me when I was saying them, my initial reaction was, are you serious? <laughs> But as it most always happens, when I follow and engage in what God has called Jason to teach us, I have a new appreciation for liturgy. Now I can hear the words and not just say them. And I can feel just a little bit of what the writers of those words may have been feeling when they wrote them. As part of this, he has taught me even to appreciate the Psalms, to say them out loud, to feel them, Now I start most every day saying these simple words out loud to myself from Psalm 103, let all that I am praise the Lord. I mentioned his desire for personal prayer and fasting. He taught me personally to make a space in my day for silence and solitude. I am naturally drawn to working on spreadsheets and responding to emails. These are my personal productivity measurements and spreadsheets are my love language. I've worked for 36 years in a profession as a CPA in which we measure productivity by filling out a timesheet every day. We build by the hour. So we had to account for how we spent every half hour of our day. And I love to count things. So I excelled at measuring my productivity. The challenge with that training, which is so deeply embedded inside me, is that I can easily fall into measuring my worth based on my productivity. It makes me think I'm only as good as what I can produce. Jason has taught me to make space in my day for a period of silence and solitude. 
to just sit and do nothing. These two are spiritual disciplines. I am following his example of taking the first five or ten minutes of the day to just sit. It is so hard, (laughs) but I am getting better at it. Occasionally, I can set aside an entire hour or more to be quiet and read the Bible. But there are still many days when my busy schedule, even as a retired person, is calling to me so loudly that I just can't sit there. So too often, I just get up and go. I'm still a work in progress. I mentioned his burden for emotional health. He taught me personally to feel my feelings and think about all things deep change related. Using the tools Jason is teaching, I learned that I tend to be angry inside quite often. And you know, that kind of makes me angry. (laughs) I've learned that it takes strength to be vulnerable and admit out loud things we think and feel inside. When we recognize what we feel, it sure makes it a lot easier to understand why we feel that way and then deal with those feelings in a more positive way. Lastly, I mentioned his love for Jesus and his burden for us all to have a personal encounter with Jesus that transforms us into being a new person. This is the most life-changing thing Jason has taught me, how to truly understand the gospel message, the really good news. In my life before Hope City Church, I can see now that I was a religious person. I was keeping score. As I told you at the beginning of this story, to me, church meant work. I was trying to do it right. I was trying to be good. And if I'm honest, I probably cast judgment on those who I didn't think do it right. Jason often challenges us to reflect on how we are different because of our relationship with Jesus. So I've done that a lot. I've studied it. I've thought about it. And I've written down a few things in my journals. So I now know how I am different. I know what I would be like without Jesus in my life. But before today, I've never admitted it out loud, except to Kim. So I'm going to tell you, without my relationship with Jesus, I'm at risk for greed, lust, and arrogance to dominate my life. Without Jesus, I'm at risk for listening to Satan's voice in my head about my many failings as a friend as a husband, and especially my many failings as a father. Satan tells me that I am just not good enough. Jason has sat with me, and he's listened to me more than once cry about my failings as a father. I'm thankful that he relentlessly encourages me. Jason has taught me that my many failings don't change the way God sees me, how he loves me, or why he saved me. And I know that is true. He has taught me to truly understand and believe that I needed a Savior in my life, and accepting Jesus Christ as my personal Savior is all it takes to be saved, nothing else. It's about my belief, not my behavior. My tagline for that series he did on Galatians was simply, there is no and in saved. So thanks to this church and to my pastor, my heart has changed so much so that I was recently confident enough to get baptized as an adult. I am not much for being on public display. I like to live in the background. But last December, I took that big step, and Pastor Joe baptized me, and I got the T-shirt for doing it. (laughs) 
that was an amazing season for our church. I was number two of the 70-something that got baptized that month. So I am thankful. I am thankful for my church, and I love my church. I am thankful for my pastor, and I love my pastor. As I wrap this up with you today, I'd like to invite you to join me in two things I am doing to help support the church and the pastor that I love so much. First, next Sunday is our open hand service. This campaign and the large-scale building renovation project is just a continuation of Pastor Jason genuinely listening to the Holy Spirit, feeling a burden to move in the next direction, and then leading our church through it. Is he 100% sure? No. Was he 100% sure for the past 15 years of listening and leading? No. Yet here we are. And we have, a, have to make a similar decision. To lean in, listen to the Holy Spirit, then jump. It's such an exciting time to be part of the Hope City Church. I invite you to prayerfully consider joining me in making a pledge above and beyond what you already may be giving to the church. But I have a word of warning for you that I have learned quite well on my personal generosity journey. When you go to pray about it, and I mean truly pray about it, I don't think God has ever come up with a number that is smaller than what you're already thinking about. <laughs> yes, God sure tends to think much bigger than we do, and I know he does than I do. <laughs> I've had the opportunity to chat with a couple of you about that in the past few weeks, and I've certainly experienced it myself. My prayer for you is that you will have one of those holy moments when God speaks to you like he has to me, and he encourages you to stretch beyond what you may think is possible because it just doesn't make sense. But then surrender to giving his way and ask him to guide you and bless you in a way that will make it happen. The second thing I'd like you to join me in doing is what Paul wrote to the Thessalonians in the scripture verses Kim read. And now, friends, we ask you to honor those leaders who work so hard for you, who have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience. Overwhelm them with appreciation in love. Earlier this year, we celebrated Jason and Andrea's 15th anniversary in leading this church. That's a really long time. In pastor years, it's way longer than it sounds. <laughs> he often says he intends to stay here a lifetime. And we say, great. We don't have to worry about ever have to navigate through a pastor change. And we settle in comfortably enjoying the fruits of his longevity. But we must regularly, consistently, and often pause to reflect and acknowledge just how unique that is. What a blessing it is. He needs to know what a difference he is making in all of our lives. None of us can appreciate the weight of full-time ministry unless we are carrying it, and we are not, but they are. Jason and Andrea, along with Pastor Katie and Brad, Pastor Joe and Karen, Pastor Alex and Kevin, Megan Luckett and Bird, Jesse Stuck and David, and Amanda Mount and Alex too. They are carrying the weight of being fully dedicated to the ministry of this church. I'm so thankful for all of them. There are many things we can do to overwhelm them with appreciation and love. They just need us. They need us to pray constantly for their spiritual protection. Jason taught earlier this year on angels and demons and how real Satan is. It's a tough topic for sure but really important to acknowledge and understand. 
I'm here to tell you that our staff, and Jason especially, are on Satan's target list. Satan does not want Hope City Church to succeed. So our pastors and staff need us for constant encouragement. They need us to tell them how much their work means to us and how it has changed our lives. They need that from us every week, not just in October during the official appreciation season and not just every five years when we celebrate a milestone of the pastor's anniversary. Inside of them, there's always going to be that burning question, is it doing any good? They're always going to have questions and doubts. Satan will constantly try to convince them it's not doing any good. Satan wants to distract us as a church body. He wants us to get caught up on rules and laws for us to be judgmental of each other inside this place and of those outside our walls just to create disagreements, conflict, and separation. As Jason taught us last week, it matters who we listen to. It matters what we believe. Those two things will greatly influence how we act. Listening to the leaders of this church, listening to the teachers of Pastor Jason Isaacs, believing the word of God and accepting Jesus as our personal savior, I know all these things have greatly influenced who I am. I am changed because of it. And I'm thankful. Let's pray.